Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Hilton Head Island Bluffton Chambers Five Questions with podcast. This is the place we take a deep dive with thought leaders from around our region. Today, we are so thrilled to have with us Dr. Raymond Cox. He's the executive director of Volunteers in Medicine. It's the organization that Dr. Jack McConnell started on this island back in 1993. And the sole purpose of them is really to provide medical care for the front line. They say that they care for those who have no other access to health and medical care. That really does say it all. I know for so many organizations, a vision and a mission statement is sometimes something that might just sit on the shelf. Not the case for them. Dr. Cox is going to talk to us today about the culture of joy that they have created with Volunteers in Medicine. Their vision statement really does say it all. May we have eyes to see those rendered invisible and excluded, open arms and hearts to reach out and include them, healing hands to touch their lives with love, and in the process, heal ourselves. We're excited to talk to Dr. Cox about how he's fulfilling that mission in the time of COVID and through this pandemic with our frontline workers. Let's hear what he has to say. You know, Dr. Cox, many of your clients are really on the front lines of serving others during the pandemic. They're in the hospitality sector, many of them are. How has Volunteers in Medicine been helping to really educate them about the precautions to take, how to stay safe? What are y'all doing in that regard with your clients? Thank you for the question, Charlie, and thank you for inviting me uh, here to do this podcast. I understand this is quite a popular program that you all have. Um, Volunteers in Medicine has, since the beginning of the of the pandemic, has been very careful about making sure that our not only are our patients educated and remain safe, but also our volunteers and staff. Um, so in that regard, anytime anybody comes to Volunteers in Medicine and clinic, clinic, they are required to get a temperature check. Everybody is required to be masked. Um, we increased our cleaning schedules so that the, the buildings are cleaned at least twice a day in any of the patient rooms that are used and cleaned after each patient. Um, so we do have a TV screen in the reception area that also has educational material on it, not just related to COVID, but related to wellness and a lot of other different topics. So on that screen, for example, now we do have slides related to how you can be safe uh, during this time of COVID, um, and particularly as it relates to uh, social distancing, the importance of masking, and of course, the, pe- the, the, the importance of frequent hand washing. I think it's so important that I know y'all are translating that into Spanish as well. Yes. Because you have some unique challenges with them yeah. clients yeah. that are facing this pandemic. What are some yeah. of those unique challenges you're seeing from your clients? Well, there, there are a couple of unique challenges, actually, and, and you correctly mentioned earlier, about 70% of our patients are frontline workers. They're the housekeepers, the gardeners, the hotel service workers, the restaurant workers, the retail service workers. Um, these are the people who don't uh, who go to work every day but don't have access to health insurance. So yes, um, that's, that's a very, and the other 30% that aren't are the families of those that are working. So so that presents a unique challenge in and of itself. Um, so the other challenge, of course, is that we have is that about 60% of our patients, about 50% of our patients, um, English is their second language. Um, so we have to be very careful about making sure that we have an adequate number of volunteers and that we are appropriately um communicating with patients who who may not uh, be very literate in English. Lastly, um, one of the things that we found recently is we just got a new computer system. 
So trying to get patients to use the computer uh, is often quite challenging. So we also have people available, um, particularly when we need information that goes into their electronic medical record as to how we can upload that information. That's important. We're living in such a tech-oriented world, and especially with COVID, it's driven so many of us online for so many things. So I can see where that would be a challenge. You know, you recently launched Project Isolate Safe with DeepWell, great partnership, uh, the Greater Island Council and HUD. Tell us about this initiative, because it does tie into those unique challenges. Right. This was actually the brainchild of the Greater Island Council um, Medical Committee in particular. Um, And the chair of that committee is is Mark O'Neill, who used to be the chief executive officer at that hospital. Um, We have all, uh, at the beginning of this pandemic, um, we all realized that there was going to be an issue in making sure that we not only increased the amount of testing that we were doing, but also in making sure that people had safe environments in which to live. For somebody living in a multi-generational household or um, um, a household with roommates, say for example, that can be very difficult to do. and can be very difficult to isolate safely at home. So um, Mark uh, was able to negotiate uh, with um, um, a local business leader to open up some apartments that can be used for people who don't feel comfortable isolating at home once they've determined that they're COVID positive. So far, we have about 10 patients in the about 10 clients in the program. None of them so far um, has elected to use the an apartment. Um, so in, instead, the other large part of this program is providing them with COVID boxes and with educational materials as to how to stay safe in your home. Um, the, the people who have tested COVID positive so far have small children and don't feel comfortable leaving the house, um, you know, with uh, without their children. So um we not only give them COVID boxes, but DeepWell has been very good about uh, providing food so that they don't have to go to the grocery store. So they gave them a week's supply of food in, in these boxes and replenished them as needed. I think that this pandemic has brought about some phenomenal partnerships in this community. It's been really interesting to see people and things that are happening quickly, not yeah. just, yeah. you know, there's no time for a lot of committee meetings and a ton of, you know, people are just yeah. getting together rolling up their sleeves and and getting it done. And I just think it's so admirable that Vim is is doing that so well. I know that um, June marks your second attempt at retirement as you step down as the executive director of Vim. It's a labor of love for you. Tell me about some of the the moments that you're proudest of over the years, those that stand out to you. Well, uh, you're absolutely right. It, it has been a labor of love. When I moved down here uh, eight years ago, um, my plan was to find something something to keep me busy, but not too busy. And of course, it didn't work out that way. We've been very, I've been very busy ever since I got here. Um, but one of the reasons is, is because it's such a, a wonderful place to work um, and everybody is there because they want to be there. So it's hard for me to pick out one particular moment, um, but there are a couple of things that that I I thought were were very uh, touching to me, at least. One is that um, a group of our Latino patients had started a program several years ago called Latinos Unidos to raise money for a child in, I think it was either Ecuador or Honduras, who needed to have surgery. Um, That child subsequently passed away. 
and they decided to give the funds that they had raised to volunteers in medicine. That first year, that check was $7,000. Wow. Over the years, um, we have partnered more closely with Latinos Unidos. And the last festival that we had, not this year, but the year, we didn't have one this year because of COVID. The one we had last year raised $70,000. Now, the thing that's so amazing, I mean, obviously that's amazing, but the thing that's so amazing about this is that these are folks who um, don't make a lot of money, but they they donated their services, they donated their time, they donated their food, and all proceeds from those festivals went to volunteers in medicine. The other particularly touching moment for me was when Reverend Ben Williams gave the um, um, uh, invocation at one of our galas. This is like about three years ago. Um, Reverend Williams uh, was is was at the time the the the, the eldest pastor on the island, um, and he was the pastor at Mount Calvary Baptist Church. Um, the reason why that was so touching is because Reverend Ben, along with Tom Barnwell, were vitally important to starting Volunteers in Medicine in the in the first place. Doctor Jack went to them when he first was interested in in starting Volunteers in Medicine to ask their advice as to how to recruit. Um, and what the needs were um, in the Native Island community. So um, having the opportunity to have Reverend Ben um, do the Reverend Williams give the invocation was extremely touching. What a moment. What a, you know, come full circle moment. I'm a big Reverend Ben fan. He was phenomenal, did a lot of things with our organization as well and such a contributor to the community. So you have big shoes to fill. You really do. If, If you could give a piece of advice to your successor, what do you think that would be? The thing that attracted me to volunteers in medicine, as I was kind of alluded to earlier, um, is that it's such a pleasant place to work. I mean, you know, a lot of health care facilities have become places where fun goes to die. And, and it's, it's, it's not, uh, intentional, of course, but it's just that you're so busy and you're, you, you're oftentimes so pressed to, to get things done that it, it, it squeezes the joy out of what you do. When you walk into volunteers in medicine, you, feel the joy. Um, I mean, that comes across clearly, not only from the volunteers and staff, but also from the patients. I, I can't tell you how many times I've had patients thank me for, you know, for what we do. I mean, that's very rewarding in and of itself. Dr. So, Cox, that's a good day at the office, isn't it? That's a good day at the office. So what I, what I tend to, what I would tend to, to tell uh, my successor is that do not, under any circumstances, change the culture. Um, and, and that requires um, some, some love and care and some very conscious tending to make sure that, that we maintain that culture of joy. Well, we thank you for that culture. We thank you for the care that you're bringing to this community. And we thank you for being part of our podcast today. Well, thank you. Look forward to seeing what's next for them. Appreciate it. Thanks, everyone, for listening to today's Hilton Head Island Bluffton Chamber Five Questions with podcast. We encourage you to tune in for future episodes. We're going to be talking with more thought leaders from throughout the low country. Wherever you subscribe to your podcast now, whether it's iTunes or Spotify, that's where you'll find your chamber. So tune in for future shows and future podcasts with the Hilton Head Island Bluffton Chamber.